I'm Francesca Donnellan. Welcome to Becoming More Human, the podcast. Every generation, through its arts and creativity, explores the same questions. Who am I and what really matters? We are so often taught how to emulate others to make other people happy. But how do we access what's good for ourselves and be strong enough to actually claim it? It's a constant practice because we all keep evolving. There are no limits to personal growth. You can start your journey today and get closer to discovering your true self. Give back to the people around you and make the world a better place. Welcome back, everybody, to Becoming More Human. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We love having you with us. And also, I particularly love my Uncle Kevin sitting across to me in the screen, <laughs> smiling away as always. Uncle Kevin, how are you doing this week? Hello, Fran. I am doing very well. Thank you very much. I am loving retirement. Um, <laughs> the weather is shiny, bright. Actually, it's a bit overcast today, but it's been lovely. So, uh, the, the world, as far as I'm concerned, is very good. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm loving that. So breezy, Uncle Kevin. Bingo. So breezy. Well, it's, um, we've had a long weekend. You know, I'm feeling, I was feeling sluggish this morning, but, you know, we're recording tonight, seven o'clock at night now, UK time. I'm definitely feeling more energized than I was this morning when I wake up because I had a long bank holiday weekend, not getting drunk, which, you know what, gone are those days. It was working in my garden, getting the garden summer ready, getting the plants in, washing everything down, making everything feel very sparkly and new again. And it took three solid days, Uncle Kevin, of hard graft. But I did find time for a glass of champagne or two and an Aperol spritz. There was always time for a little me time in that. But um. It's been fairly grueling. So now I just want everyone to come over and see all my hard work. But I don't think anyone appreciates actually how much has gone into it. It just looks like a garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. I appreciate it. I know, although I can't see it, I, I do know how much work it takes to maintain even a small amount of land. And, you know, we just had a, in America, we call it Memorial Day weekend, but it's a public holiday. So we mm. also had a three-day weekend. Lovely. And here it's the the official start of summer for most people. But, of course, Memorial Weekend uh, yesterday, Monday, uh, was the day when uh, in America we remember all those who uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice for others. Traditionally, you know, it's talking about soldiers uh, and war, but for me and I think for a lot of people, we're very aware there's an awful lot of people who give their life for others outside of war. War, yes, it absolutely deserves to be remembered. The people need to be honoured who, who did mm. make that sacrifice. And hopefully the learning is this should stop, but that's a different conversation. But we certainly honour those who did make that sacrifice. And then there's an awful lot of others. I, I think of people who work in first responder situations, uh, like people who go into a fire to, to rescue somebody, things like that. So I think the the memorializing is very, very important to do because it's part of that whole attitude of gratitude. And if we don't recognize that we are here because of the service of others, including the people who made the railways and put down the roads and collect our garbage, we, we, no one lives in total mm. isolation. The, the benefits of my life 
are entirely dependent on a whole network of amazing people whom I will never meet, many of whom have passed on, who get to allow me to do what I yeah. do in this time and place. And it is incumbent on me <clears throat> to do my bit so others then can do their bit in the future. So I think memorial, to, to remember, it is lovely. incredibly important. That was lovely, Uncle Kevin. Very thought-provoking. We've, we've jumped straight in. I love that. This week, Uncle Kevin, we had um, the wonderful Bola. Her interview was fascinating because I don't think there's many people listening that would really think that we would have anyone on here talking about finance for a start. Bola is an expert in financial wellness. For me, the reason why I thought it was so important to have her on is because it is the root of everything, the root of all evilness. <laughs> people oh, I, please say. let me correct you there. The, the quote is, the love of money is the root of all evil. Ah, Not there you that go. money is the root of all evil. No, money is a necessary transactional utility. A necessary evil. <laughs> no, it's, it's a utility. Money is a utility. You know, it's so hard to carry around a pound of apples, a, a sheaf of wheat to trade for two lamb chops. It's much easier to use a piece of money. So it's a mm. utility. It um, is, but it does rule, it rules our lives as much as we try and um, yes. lots of people try and, and make out it does it. Well, we, well, it, it, well it, it kind of does dictate things and we our attitudes to money are all very different. I think culturally as a whole, especially in the UK, and it might be different, Uncle Kevin, in America, but especially the UK's attitude culturally is that we don't really talk about money. It's not a conversation we'll sit with friends across the table and suggest, you know, how are you, how are you doing at the moment? You know, can you afford to go on holiday? Can you do these things? Can you, are you saving for something? What are you, you know, we don't, we're not directed around money. I think it's a sore subject for a lot of people. A lot of people want to keep up with the Joneses, that famous sort of saying, keeping up with the Joneses, which is, you know, trying to, trying to keep up appearances and, and look like you've always got money. I think social media, Certainly when it started out, people didn't want to be seen in the same outfit and be, you know, featured on social media. So there's there's that part of money, people spending more to, to look different and to be different. In the UK especially, you know, there's a big uh, focus on owning a house, different to Europe where people are happy to rent. But UK is definitely all focused on the measure of your success is the house that you have and the car that you drive. It's, again, it's all monetary things. People are obsessed in this country as well as, as with job titles. Again, that relates back to money. So so much of it relates into money and what does money mean and how does it show up for you? Um, and I think that when we talk about becoming more human, Uncle Kevin, like we, we, we talk in depth about the spiritual aspects and there's a way we can look at money differently to sort of reflect how it shows up for ourselves. And I think, you know, as we become more fully ourselves, more fully authentic, I think money is one of these subject topics that actually should be addressed and talked about and at least questions asked around it. I don't know what you think, Uncle Kevin. I entirely agree, Fran. Um, money is incredibly important to talk about and Having lived almost half my life in America and as, as well as Britain, there, there are very different attitudes, quite definitely. Uh, America is like, well, like America, we don't talk, we don't actually talk about money so much, um, just like in England. I, I think one of the things that Bola said, you know, in England, people are happy enough just to get by, whereas in America, 
Mm. There is this idea, as you said, of the American dream, which is about having lots. The difference from a spiritual perspective is having enough or having abundance. And, of course, the opposite, scarcity. And there's plenty of people in both countries who have a scarcity. The, The thing that links all of this spiritually is telling the truth. Yes, that's that's a really well identified. I was wondering where you were going to link that, actually. So. <laughs> uh, well, I, I really enjoyed Bolo's interview. I, I found it very interesting. You know, uh, I will confess, my first degree is in finance and marketing. Um, mm. I've said that on air before, but from, from the <laughs> wonderful Lancaster University, which was a How long ago was that? Oh, um, 18, seven, no, uh, <laughs> 1972 to 5, if I remember correctly, Lancaster University. Uh, while I, when I started there, the university was celebrating its 10th anniversary. It was very, very new. And yeah, wow. it was an amazing place to be. And I am eternally grateful for not just the courses I took, but the people I met and and the the life growing that went on while we were all doing that, but it, it, it was very clear then, I, and I certainly had this realization because my dad would would, would uh, your granddad would 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 drop hints that that I knew I knew he knew were was important, but I really did not want to hear. And one of his mm. one of his favorite ones was you know. When something, say, cost, or back in those days, let's say, five pounds, now it would be probably 500. In those days, he would say, did you know, do you know how much I had to earn to be able to spend this? And it didn't really make sense to me. It's like, mm. oh, you earn five pounds. It's five pounds. You earn five pounds. I spend five pounds. What's the problem? <laughs> and, of course, that's that how I do my finances. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not how it works. Let's be really clear. That is not how it works. As anyone who has a paycheck where they take out the taxes in England, it's called P-A-Y-E. Here it's called payroll. And But, you know, if you earn, say, let's say £50 an hour, $50 an hour, you might take home 30 The rest is going to go in um, assumed taxes. You get to do your taxes at the end of the year and maybe get a rebate. But assumed taxes... Uh, your likely tax plus your contribution to um, social security, retirement, uh, whatever medical uh, benefits you may or may not have in the different countries. Um, so, yes, you have to earn yeah. 50 to yeah. get 30. So that's mm-hmm. the first element of truth. Then, of course, we have the people who do everything under the table, don't pay any taxes, don't contribute or contribute, depending on how you want to pronounce the word. And, and then so they're taking out of the system where other people are having no choice but to put in. So mm. it, it's this whole thing of, of how much do I earn and what am I worth, there's a lot of truth-telling that needs to go on about that. But at a deeper yeah. level, if I make just carry on, um, which, as you know, I tend to do. I, um, I mean, keep going, Uncle Kevin. All right, we're on a roll. I want to go back to this idea that we've mentioned a few times. What is the story I tell me about myself? Because if I'm telling myself a story about me that is about being successful, about being media uh, popular, 
about being seen to be in and of and etc. all the right places. In other words, if being the best version of my story includes lying about my finances, most people will lie to themselves about their finances. Yeah. Most people don't get into debt for what we would call legitimate reasons. And, and those would be some sort of disaster, uh, illness, a dreadful accident, huge necessities, which is like there is no other choice but to get into debt, solve this problem. Most people's debt is not based on those objective realities. Most people's debt is based on subjective realities. Like, I want it. I want to own it. I am addicted to shopping. I, I so, des- well, a lot of people say they deserve it. Oh, well, there's a good one. Mm. Yes, there's a lovely I word. I deserve this. Is, is, um, I think I've heard yeah. myself say that, actually. I deserve this. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> It, it, again, it's a matter of scale. You know, I've worked yeah. very hard in the garden for three days. I deserve a glass of bubbly to sit yes. down and enjoy my work. Fine. Mm. You know, I deserve a nice <laughs> cup of tea. I deserve to put my feet up for 20 minutes. That's fine. Scarce. When it's like, well, you know, I did a really great so and so and so and so, and I'm just a nice person. So I deserve a car that costs $80,000. Mm, I deserve yeah. to look good. I deserve yeah. to own stuff that rich people own. So mm. here we're telling a story to ourselves about ourselves that is not based in truth. Because let's face it, even the people who have those things and have the money to have them easily still don't deserve them. Um, mm, so be true. they multimedia stars or owners of huge companies and all the rest of it, they don't deserve that stuff. They can afford it, which is lovely, and it gives other people jobs, and that's fine. And, you know, it's very helpful. But they don't deserve it. Even the, mm. I, I did not get a chance to watch it live uh, because the, the timing was difficult here. So actually, I spent part of the weekend, we spent part of the weekend, Brad and I, um, watching the coronation. And, oh, great. You know, catching up. Catching up, yeah. And I, the king does not deserve everything that is laid at his feet. And he know, and the good news is he knows he doesn't deserve it. At least I would take that opinion. They no longer hold the position by the divine right of kings, let's say. You know, this is around the word that was used over and over and over in the service was about service. The, the truth we, we mere mortals, <laughs> the rest of us, have to um, tell ourselves is, what do I need? What is enough? And and what am I willing and able to do to do that or to live without it? That is around telling the truth and that is a becoming mm. human. And it's okay yeah. to say, you know, to say, you know, I really can't live on the breadline. I really don't want to do this. You know, I'm willing to work da 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 to get this stuff because I don't want to live a so and so life where somebody yeah. else may say, yeah. I'm fine with not having that and letting it go. But it's not about deserving. It's about being honest to ourselves. I, you know, if you ask me what's the most important thing in my life, I'm very impractical. I would say beauty. But, you know, you've got to find it right. where you can. If we're looking to be financially sensible and to be more fully human, we have to be honest 
with what's going on in our head about the image I'm trying to create. And am I actually still living in an I, image or am I trying to find my true and honest self? I think that works on the other end of the spectrum as well when I'm just going to typecast for a moment, but people who are tighter with their money, always watching the pennies, they live a different type of life where they try and they live in sort of that stressed fear approach that they're going to lose it all and maybe they've got loads and they're just stacking it all away and actually that's just as bad as somebody in my in my opinion as somebody who's frivolously spending it and trying to keep up with you know the joneses it's um there is a balance still to be struck of like what is the reality because sometimes those people end up living very stressful lives they can't afford anything they can't do this they can't do that they're living in such like tight constraints that it's not expansive either and it's not the reality of their position when there's a lot of pe people out there who are a lot worse off than they are and they're telling everybody that they can't afford to do anything and can't afford x y and z and and actually they probably can they're just living they're deciding to live a tighter lifestyle well actually there's a lot of people who would die for half the stuff people you know that that others have and i think you have to be real about like you said it's being truthful it's it's, there's always somebody wor more worse off than you for a start off. So when you're stressed about money and stressed about things, whatever level you're at, there is always somebody worse off than you. And I think quite often we get so caught up with ourselves and our own targets and goals and how much money we think we need versus how much money we actually need. And, you know, wanting a better lifestyle, you know, we're always targeted with adverts these days and how to make your millions and how to become a millionaire. Like this idea of, you know, that TV program, how to be a millionaire. It's like this, it's like you've reached the pinnacle in life if you can re become a millionaire or something. And actually, like, you don't need that much money. You don't need to live like that. And I think COVID, for me personally, taught me a lot of lessons about that. And, you know, as soon as I bought my first house, which, you know, society's pressure, like, I would have bought my house probably 10 years before I did. You know, I'm probably a late bloomer to the table in that sense. But that doesn't bother me because it was never a goal of mine to have a house. But COVID taught me so much. So when I did have my house, I'm so grateful for every nook and cranny of that house. If I was to get locked down in this house again, you know, if, if the tables turn, I'm so happy in this house. There are enough nooks and crannies and I've created something out of nothing. Even towards the garden is livable now. <laughs> every place because because I really value the importance of everything that I've got and I'm making the most of, of all of that. And I think um, it's easy to overlook it and to be like, well, what's the next thing now? I've got done that tick to box. Let's move on. I think this idea of consumerism, consumption, this idea of wanting more and feeling I deserve it. I think the other end of that spectrum, people who live their life holding on as well to money, not spending, not putting out, I think, they also need to look at what, why they're doing that and what, what does that mean in their life. Um, something just to bring up briefly that I really enjoyed um, from Bolly's interview was how she divides her money up with the seasons. I just loved that. I just thought, how wonderful. That's, so it's the first time I've looked at finances and I thought, you know what, I could get on board with that. That's pretty poetic and really like nice and creative way of doing it. It's not like do your money via quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, have a spreadsheet and off you go. Like that's business chat in my opinion, but that's what people do with their money. They split it up with their quarters. But I love the fact she talked about her seasons and the ebb and flow of life and how that reflected back to her. And 
looking at the terminology of, of how we communicate around money and this isn't something that I, I want to spend my money on right now. It's not that necessarily you can't afford something. It's just not where you're prepared to put your money at this moment. You know, you're putting it in other areas. And I thought that was a really cool thing to do. That's something I think I'm going to take with me from that interview for sure. Yeah, I, I really like the idea of realizing our spending has seasons just like the rest of our life has seasons. And so there are seasons, times of the year when I could save a little more. Now, let's just talk about saving mm. basically. Uh, both Bud and I were very fortunate when we were young. Of course, we, we were living thousands of miles away and no contact. But we both had a person when we first started work who took us aside and said, you need to put into your savings. You know, we both worked for companies that offered retirement saving plans. Yeah. Uh, in both of our cases, someone said, you need to put in the maximum you can afford or will be allowed. Because if it's never in your paycheck, you will never miss it. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm only starting and, and I want this. And I can't, and, and oh my God, panic, panic, panic. The max I could afford because of my incredibly low salary, 2,500 pounds a year, <laughs> not, and not a month, not a week, 2,500 pounds a year oh my um, Lord. was five pounds a month. That's what I could afford. <laughs> to put into saving. All right, we're talking nearly 50 years ago, £5 a month is about, I would say £500 a month now. <laughs> but I could afford £5 a month and, mm. and I managed to increase it as I got paid. That's good. I, I think in his system, he was allowed, you were allowed to put in, in those days, 10% of your gross salary into a, a right. tax, de what's called a tax deferred saving plan. So, it goes in before the taxes, and then you pay your taxes when you take the money out. So it grows quicker, and, and different countries at different times offer different deals. We were both incredibly lucky that people who we respected took us aside and said, this is not a discussion. Yeah, I care about you. Do it. As somebody else said when I bought my first house, you need to get used to lettuce sandwiches. I'm growing lots of lettuce, so I'm going to get right on board with that. <laughs> because I wonder what to do with it all. These financially sensible things, you will feel like lettuce sandwiches are the only things you can afford. <laughs> that's good. That's that's actually one down, isn't it, from um, baked beans on toast? So we, we can actually go to one that down. Level. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I, there you go. Scrambled egg, oh, no, I think lettuce lettuce sandwich has to be the base level. I am growing three different types of lettuce, so watch Impressive. the space, is all I'm saying. Very good. And tomato, so maybe we're going to just start eating the, from the veggies from the garden from now on. There you on. go. This truth is really, really important. I know it's very hard for us when we are very young. I remember feeling it as well. You know, I was in my 20s and somebody saying, when you're 65, you'll thank me. And it's like, I won't even live that long. Why would, you know... It's like, yeah. that's really old. And here I am at nearly 70. And I'm really grateful that I listened to somebody with a bit of wisdom. Mm. So I, I want to enforce and encourage people listening to what Bola said incredibly importantly. The sooner you start putting away anything on a regular basis, the more sense it makes. Now, yes, put it in something that has got some sort of guarantees with it. Don't just pick a stock out of the stock market and throw your money into that. There are many, 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 many other options. And there are plenty of people 
who will advise you, including without charging you a huge fee. Uh, there are plenty of books you can read. There are plenty of online videos you can see for free. Over in America, uh, we have a lady called Susie Orman who does TV programs about financial growth. and also has, She has courses and yeah. all sorts. And yeah. I'm sure you have something there. But it's so important. And, and she, Susie also talks, like Bola did, about having an emergency fund. Again, the first time somebody said, you need to have a, a, a two-month, three-month, six-month emergency yeah. fund. I'm like, I don't have the money for next week, let alone, <laughs> you know, um, a fund. So that was that was an aspiration for me yeah. for years. But soon as somebody just says that to you, it might shock you to start with. It might make you feel uncomfortable. You might make you, make you feel like a failure because you've not thought about it before. And like, how is it, you know, for me, when I first, you know, people talking to me about money, I was like, oh, my God, there's a whole nother world that exists that I hadn't really thought about. This is shocking. How am I not on board with this? How have I not realised? And it can take you by surprise, but it's just just do one thing. Just start saving this one small amount. Just start doing something is better than like ignoring it completely. Especially as you get older, you know, we're we're talking, you know, you you're now retired. You're the you're the complete opposite end. I'm bang in the middle thinking holy shit how am i going to afford the retirement i want <laughs> yes yeah right you have to start selling some shoes or handbags you know education is key and i think neither of us particularly grew up at any times where money has featured highly i think in education i don't think it's been at the top of anyone's agenda and i'm not sure how much it is even talking to bola and you know she's much younger than me and listening to her stories and there's a reason why she's going out there communicating and educating people because it seems like it's still not quite out there in society about money and sometimes i listen to a podcast on money and listen to the experts tell you if you know if you saved 100 pounds a month from this age by this age you'd have actually you could cash it in and be a millionaire you know you're thinking how, why aren't more people doing this? You know, there is a little thing called living and there's a you know, bit of the thing called life and being a teenager and being in your 20s and not giving a shit, in fact, about saving money. You know, you're spending it, you're enjoying it, you're going out. And there is a balance to be struck because, you know, you can't take it to your grave. You've got to live life, you've got to enjoy it. But when you do hear the experts talk, you're like, oh, God, if only I was 20 again, I'd do it all differently. <laughs> I would be so good at saving. Would I, though? Would I? Because I've loved the life I've had. And I do look back and I think I, I haven't said no to anything. And I might not be where other people are, in, you know, if you want to compare yourself. But I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And actually, that all, that's all that matters to me. You know, and uh, there's a very important moment of truth. We make choices and we live with consequences. And I think, mm. you know, the fact that you can say and that one, anyone can say, you know what, I made my choices, I might do it differently if I were to go back and start again, but you know what, this is where I am and that's the truth. So yeah. it's very, very important that we live in that reality, in that truth. If I were to sort of leave us with a sort of a little aphorism, it is that reality is somewhere in the middle of the continuum between fear and fantasy. The reality of our financial life mm, is somewhere exactly. in between the huge fears we have at one side and the complete fantasy mm. we have on the other. And so the invitation to become more human is to live in reality, 
to live in this moment, to acknowledge our fears, but then to do something about them. Fear is a really good emotion. It says, be careful, there's danger ahead. And to ignore mm. that is stupid. Yeah. So fear is, is like sort of, oh, yeah, right, better, better take it into account. Fears are not bad in and of themselves. It's when we live in fear, that's bad. But the fear should motivate yeah. us to make choices we want to live with. Similarly, mm. recognizing we are living in a fantasy, it's important to be able to then get out of that fantasy because it's not mm. doing us any good. As you and Bola both said in the interview, you went and you're both shoppers. And I've said in the past, I am too. Hopefully it's in the past now for me. But to say, you know, actually, I am not going to buy anything, whatever your addiction is. I'm not going to buy anything new for a month or six months or a year. I don't need it. I am perfectly capable of living without it. I'm going to set myself a target. I'm not going to do it. And if I do, mm. then I'll start again. I'll start a new year or whatever, or a new month or whatever it is. It's realizing that uh, to become a human is to live in the reality between fear and fantasy. They both mm. have a, a place in our imagination. They can both teach us things, but it's not ultimately where we make our choices. And it is our choices that make us who we are, just like our habits. Mm. Oh, I love that, Uncle Kevin. Thank you. You've just summarized that so well. I think we could have talked about this subject topic for hours, actually. I think it's so interesting and it leads, in, leads us to so many interesting places about our lives, about the way we grew up, about the way we communicate, the way we think about money, treat money, treat other people, how we interact with our own lives, what we purchase, what we buy into, our plans, our goals. It's just, it's a, it's just massive, massive subject topic. So we have literally scraped the surface, I think, today, but I've enjoyed it. And please go back, everyone, have a listen to Bola's interview. It's really, really fascinating. Lots of hints and tips and just things I feel, Uncle Kevin, just to get everybody thinking about the subject topic, especially whilst we're floating into the summer months and we're all a bit feeling a bit more carefree and ready to spend, spend, spend. So thank you so much, Uncle Kevin. I've loved that interview today. Always a pleasure, Fran. Great to chat. And, uh, Go and enjoy the garden. Thank you so much, Jungle Kevin. Take care. Bye. God bless. Bye-bye. I'm Francesca Donnellan, and you've been listening to Becoming More Human, the podcast. You can follow Becoming More Human on Instagram, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your podcast apps, such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and Google. And don't forget to check out our website for exclusive audio content on becomingmorehuman.co.uk. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation. Thank you for listening.